Turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 this morning. If you're using one of the blue chair Bibles, it's going to be on page 986. This last week I listened to a portion of an interview with evolutionary biologist Richard Dawkins. And Dawkins was asked in this interview whether or not he thought Jesus was a real person. And while beginning his comments with not thinking the evidence is great, Dawkins said that nonetheless he believes that Jesus of Nazareth really existed as a person in history. But in his view, this is not really a big deal. Because to him, any stories about, quote, a wandering preacher named Joshua, which is the English version of Jesus from the Hebrew, was a common time and a common thing to have preachers who went around teaching. And I'm not quoting from here, but let me summarize his argument. He says what would be a big deal was if Lazarus was raised from the dead, or Jesus walked on water, or Jesus turned water into wine. And as he said this, he very quickly and completely said, but we of course know that those things didn't happen. And in one sense, Dawkins was right. If Jesus was just another person who came up with some teaching and walked around and told people about this new teaching, it really wouldn't change a lot. He'd be one of many teachers. But, and I think he gets this right, he, he's close, if he really was able to do miracles, if he was more than a man, we would say because he was God himself in flesh, then that does change everything. Jesus moves from one of many teachers to if he truly was the Son of God, then he is truly God's messenger, speaking God's truth, which is the only truth. And it's that idea of how the nature of something completely changes our response to it that I want to use to help us understand our text today. Today, Paul is going to talk about his message, what he spoke to the Thessalonian church. And I want to draw a similar analogy. If that was just another teaching, if that was just something that Paul came up with, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But what Paul is going to say in our text today is that what he was speaking was not his message, but God's message. And if it truly was God's word, God's message, then that changes everything. So our big idea, if you're following along in the outline, provide in your bulletin, as we answer this question, what if it really is the word of God? Our big idea is this, when we receive the word of God, we are transformed 
and able to endure. So let's begin 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. We're going to see transformed by the word of God. Follow along as I read from verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. In language we've seen before, Paul again celebrates what the Thessalonian church did in response to his message. And what is he thankful for here? That they accepted the message he preached as the word of God. Now the first thing I want to speak to in this is that Paul is thankful for people receiving God's word. And I don't know if we give this enough thought, but I can personally testify that when you see someone accept the truth of God's word, when you see them submit to what God has said, that is a true source of joy. And as Paul is thankful for it, I am thankful daily to see people changed by the word of God. And these are also the people I respect that are, allow themselves to be changed by the word of God. When I think, what do I want to be? I want to be someone that receives what God has said and is transformed by the word of God. But secondly, and it's more central to what we're talking about today, I want you to look closely at what Paul says about the nature of of his message. Let's look back at 13. When you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. Paul is clear here that his message to the Thessalonians was not something that Paul just created, here the word of man, but rather Paul spoke as God's messenger. He shared God's word with them, and they received it and accepted it. In using those two words together, Paul shows us that the word of God is to re be received by faith, but then also accepted and appropriated into our lives. There's language both of faith and of following. And we see this at the end of verse 13. Look at the end. Look how the verse ends. Which is at work in you, believers. The word of God, because it is the word of God, was at work in the Thessalonian believers. What does he mean by that? One author puts it this way. Most likely he is thinking of the conversion of the Thessalonians from idolatry, which we saw in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 1, and the production of the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. The transformation that the Word of God does is converting dead people to living people, sinners to holy people. But then also there is an ongoing work of transformation, of growing more like Jesus, of growing in the fruit of the Spirit. This is God's Word at work in us. 
It is both the result and the evidence of receiving the word of God. So when we receive the word of God, the result is we are changed. But the change is also the evidence that we have truly received the word of God. Now there's a quick thing that must be said of when he is talking about his message here and how do we then appropriate that to our lives. In the context here, Paul is writing before the New Testament is fully formed. And so we need to jump a little bit for our context as living after the Bible has been fully written. And so when Paul talks about the word of God here that he proclaimed, he is speaking of the gospel message. But for us, we can apply this to our lives in the whole of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation. We live in an era where the word of God has been written down in book form. And so we need to see and receive it and accept it. And when we do, we will see that in transformation. And because it is the word of God, it can actually transform you. I've used this line before, but from another pastor friend of mine, he says, doing adult ministry is like trying to shape concrete. But part of our belief is if this is truly God's word, it can shape even concrete. And we celebrate that. And so again, there is a result. Because it is the word of God, it can change people. But also, the evidence that you have actually accepted it is that you are changed and that you submit to it in every aspect of our lives. And again, this flows from what is it? Is it just another book? Or is it the very words of the God of the universe? Because if it is, as Paul says in verse 13, what it really is, the word of God, then it should be obeyed. Then it must be followed. And that it can be trusted. Let me say it this way, because God's word is actually that, God's word, it has the power to transform us. And the other side of the coin of that is that when we come to the Bible as the actual word of God and follow it and submit to it, we are transformed. One of the ways that we're transformed, not just in what we believe and how we live, but one of the major fruits of transformation that Paul is going to point out to the Thessalonians is endurance. So point two in your outline there, enduring by the word of God. Let's look at verses 14 and 16. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things 
from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out, and displease God and oppose all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But God's wrath has come upon them at last. We've seen language of imitation before. Before it was you were imitating Paul and Jesus. Here, the Thessalonian church is imitating the churches in Judea. And how were they imitating these churches around Jerusalem and in that geographic area? They imitated the churches in Judea because they endured in the face of suffering. Look at the description here in verses 14 and 16. You became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea for or because you suffered the same things for your own, from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. The people that lived around them persecuted them for becoming believers in Christ. Neighbor turned against neighbor. The social pressure that is so easily applied. Their fellow countrymen turned against them and persecuted them. And Paul summarizes this persecution in two ways. So verse 15, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind. The first category of this perseverance that the Thessalonians need to do is because the Jews, the Jewish people in general, rejected God's spokesman. They ultimately rejected Jesus in killing him on the cross, but also the prophets, and as you see there, and drove us out. Paul is grouping himself in with the prophets of the Old Testament and Jesus as God's messengers. And the main idea of this is a rejection of God's spokesman. That just as the Jews rejected Jesus and rejected the prophets of the Old Testament, so too the Thessalonian people rejected what Paul was saying among them. They rejected that Paul was speaking the very words of God. But on top of that, their rejection has another category. They hindered others from believing the gospel. Look at verse 16. By hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. Both in the Jews in the Judean area and the people of Thessalonica, there was there was an antagonistic movement to keep people from hearing about Jesus. It wasn't just, that's not for me, I'm going to go over here. It was, this is not for me, and I don't want it to be for you. 
And you see that in what I read the first week from Acts of where they are chasing Paul out of the city. And then when he goes to the next city, they chase him out of there. So he has to go all the way to Athens. There is a rejection that moves from just a personal rejection to not wanting others to accept Christ. And when, if you read your Bible enough, you'll see that hindering someone else from accepting Jesus by faith is probably one of the worst things you can do. In fact, the language of rejecting and killing the prophets, of hindering others from hearing about Jesus that is seen here has so many parallels in what Jesus said in Matthew 23 to the Pharisees. And those are some of the harshest words that Jesus speaks in his whole ministry. Words of judgment against not just rejecting Jesus, but hindering others from hearing the word of God. Again, if we believe it is the word of God, we won't even want to hinder others from hearing it. Do you feel how low that bar is? <laughs> you're not even stopping someone, you're just making it a little more difficult. But God wants nothing to do with even that. Don't even hinder someone from hearing about Jesus. Look at the description at the end of 16 so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. And in rejecting Christ and in not wanting others, preventing others from hearing about Christ, they are subject to the wrath of God. I want you to see here that Paul celebrates the endurance of the Thessalonians in that in the midst of this hostility, a hostility some of us may never know, but even then, they persevere. Why? Because they believe the truth of God's words. How does that fit with endurance? Number one, the reference to God's wrath at the end of 16. How does Paul know about that? He knows about that from God's word. God's word is very clear that God will punish wickedness. God punishes those that reject him. They are judged with a complete justice. How does that help you endure? We endure because we know God will make all things right. But I don't know that apart from God's word. And I can't trust that unless it's actually God's word. If you just think it might happen, that's not a real anchor for your soul. If you know that when God speaks, God fulfills what he has spoken. You can hold on to that. If you think that justice maybe might come 
kind of. That's like planting your foot in sand. But if you know that God has said, I will make all things new, you can stand on that even in the harshest storms. Again, if what we believe about Paul's word, and especially as recorded in the Bible, if you believe those are actually the words of God, then you can endure. Because you know they will not change, and they will not fail you. And for us, looking back at what the Thessalonians endured, if the Thessalonians were able to endure riots and persecution from everyone around them, how much more can we endure on the same word of God that they have? A couple points of application this morning. Number one, I'm, I'm just going to keep hammering this home. The Bible is the word of God. It's not just another book. It's not just another list of rules and suggestions. But the Bible as we have it is the God of the universe speaking to us through human authors. And if it's actually the word of God, it changes everything. It moves from becoming a truth to being the truth. It moves from being helpful to being reliable. Secondly, submit your life under the word of God and be transformed. Because it is the word of God, it has the power to change you. Yes, even you. But at the same time, being transformed by the word of God is evidence that your life has been changed. And so there is a daily receiving of the word of God in humility and obedience. What needs to change in your life? Are you being transformed by the word? There's two categories for this in my mind. Number one, there can just be a lack of knowledge. One of the ways we are not transformed by the word of God is we simply do not know it. Now the good thing is there's a pretty simple solution to that one. And that is, read your Bible. Take advantage of our small groups. Take advantage of our different Bible studies. Take advantage of ABF on Sunday morning. Man University, there are so many ways that we have for you to grow in your knowledge of the Word of God. There are great books out there. We live at an unprecedented time of books. Now that means there are way more bad books than there have ever been written. But it also means there are way more good books than have ever been written. 
So if you hear one thing, if you simply just do not know your Bible, start today. Again, if, if your one step is taking, we, we always put the text for next week's sermon in the bulletin. Maybe that's your first step. Read it one time before next Sunday. Or maybe for you, it's reading it once a day. Maybe for you, it's a chapter a day. Or maybe you just follow the headings in your Bible, one of those a day, and you write some things down. That one's pretty simple. But we've all been there. None of us popped out of the womb knowing the Bible. The second category is a little harder. We know what it says, and we just don't do what it says. Whether because we don't want to, or it's not as important as other things. I, I don't know, there's so many reasons that we don't. Maybe we're just afraid. But for you, that's a little harder. If that's you, it's a little harder. And you begin with prayer. Praying to God that His Holy Spirit would move you to do what you know it says. To do what you know is right. To be obedient to the Word of God. And number three, if you want to persevere and endure, hold tight to your Bible. God's Word is an anchor for our lives. Again, think of the Thessalonian church. They experienced a chaos and a persecution that we will probably never know. What did they do? They held on to the Word of God. And if they can endure, how much more can we? The God's Word is an anchor in that it comforts us. God's Word is an anchor in that it shows us how to endure in the hard times with lament and sorrow. And ultimately, God's word helps us endure by showing us who God is and what he has done and that we can trust him to be the same and to do the same both now and into eternity. If you want to persevere to the end, stay in the word. Because it's not just another book the very words of God. With that in mind, I want to close by reading from our statement of faith. Because I think that it summarizes a lot of what we've said here. Of what do we, what do we know about God's word and how does it change our lives? from our statement of faith. We believe that God has spoken in the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, through the words of human authors. As the verbally inspired word of God, the Bible is without error in its original writings, the complete revelation of his will for salvation, 
and the ultimate authority by which every realm of human knowledge and endeavor should be judged. Therefore, it is to be believed in all that it teaches, obeyed in all that it requires, and trusted in all that it promises. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for your word that through the scriptures you speak to us, that it is not just another helpful book, but it is the very words of God. God, that we would believe what is written there, that we would obey what you have commanded, and that we would trust in all that you have promised, and that through trusting what you have promised, we would endure and persevere till the end. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, I want